Thanks for joining us online as Pastor Glenn Veltman teaches practical parenting. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Pastor Glenn Veltman is going to give us a few practical ways to not provoke our children to wrath, but rather to drive them to Jesus. Let's join him now. Your next message point is pharisaical preference. This is what I call pharisaical preference. It's like the Pharisees. They nitpicked everything. This is hands down one of the most effective methods at ensuring your kids don't come to Christ. They are, you stress them out. You stress them out. In fact, they're going to come to people like who I used to be to get high, to get drunk, and to do all the things they're not supposed to do. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. You ever, you ever do this? Why did you do it that way? Why don't you pay attention? Why don't you follow my instructions? But, but dad, I, I, I found a new way of doing it. It's even better. No, do it the right way. You ever do that? You'll get away with that a couple times. And then you bankrupt yourself from any real credibility when it comes to the important things. Teaching them about biblical morality. First and foremost, faith in Jesus Christ as the one and only Son of God. Essential Christian doctrine. These are very important, lifelong things. Why? Because they know you're extreme. You're particular. You nitpick everything. And it's stressful living with you. You know what Jesus said about the Pharisees? Their worship is a farce. They teach the commands of men as the law of God. Are you like that? You ever do that? So how do we deal with this? How do we avoid that? We major on the majors and we minor on the minors. Huh? Focus on character and not policy and procedure. God didn't create them to be like you. God created them to be like his son, and yet still uniquely themselves. Answer me this question. If I got to talk to your kids without you being there, and I said, hey, do you understand that there is a father in heaven who offers a relationship with himself Free of burdens, free of of nitpicking and all these crazy rules. Would they understand that based off of their earthly father? I'm afraid to answer the question for myself. If we're humble. I bet a lot of us would be surprised what our kids would actually say. Your next message point is forcing kids to grow up too soon. Our culture, we don't really, we don't really appreciate uh, imaginative kids and, and, and that type of that kind of. Well, let's just call them what they are: space cases, right? <laughs> I was one of them. Uh, and for pragmatic parents, which, which I'm one of those too, it's very hard to deal with a kid like that, whose heads are always in the clouds. And so, what do we do? We, we drowned out their imagination. We force them to grow up too soon by just burdening them with just the worries of the world. Eventually they have to grow up. But we do it too soon, so often. So instead of crushing that youthful, whimsical spirit, instead of eradicating imagination, we need to tenderly lead that child to work on bringing that imagination, that mind, 
to, to, to reality. You, you know what we call adults with imagination? Visionaries. It's really the same thing. It's imagination that allows us to see things not as they are, but as they could be. Consider this. It's the Holy Spirit-led imagination that first drew Pastor Dave and his family to leave South Florida to come to Billings to start a chance with the imagination to see people far from God come alive in Christ. And some of you in this very building became believers here. And yet maybe some of us in the same very building that became believers here are stomping that very quality out of our kids. You know, it's God's imagination that could imagine and foresee your hopeless, pathetic, meaningless existence. Find absolute meaning and value and worth through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. So, give feet to their imagination. Don't, don't stomp it out, but give their imagination some action steps. When you push them, it, it, it sometimes robs them of who they are and who God may have called them to be. Your next message point, call it comparison and favoritism. Comparison and favoritism. Can we get, uh, can we get that slide from Twins? You guys remember this movie? Yeah, right? So this is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. And the, the premise of the movie is that they're twins, separate at birth. Arnold got all the good genes, and Danny DeVito got all the bad genes. Arnold's like this handsome dude. I mean, he's got the perfect superhero square chin, right? And uh, he's got great character. Danny DeVito's the complete opposite. And Danny DeVito, he, he hates his brother, he hates his mother, he hates life because of what he is, especially in comparison to what his brother is. Share from about myself. Uh, I was always depressed as a kid, and uh, one of the many way, reasons I was depressed as a kid was because of that comparison between me and my sister. And my sister, she's beautiful. She was a straight A student. She was she was just a uh, just a social butterfly. Me, <laughs> I was like fugly. <laughs> I had like caveman teeth. <laughs> Some of you are going to find this really shocking. Brace brace yourselves. I have ADD. Yeah, you're shocked, right? Yeah, I know. I, did, I wasn't so good in school. I struggled. In fact, I have a, one learning disability where I can't even make lists. I have to, like, write it down because I can't mentally think of lists. And so I was always comparing myself to my sister, which led me to depression. But now, parents, you don't have to help them out with that. And when, they, when you say to those kids, why can't you be more like your brother... Why can't you be more like your sister? Oh, it's like just a dagger. <gasps> right in the side. It, it, it tells them, regardless of what you mean to say, it, it tells them that you don't really love them as they are for what they are. That They're not really that special. These people often, they, they resent you. And they'll loathe themselves. They usually go on, grow up to either wallow in a hole or they become very difficult adults to deal with because they're always proving themselves to mommy and daddy. I would guarantee you there are a ton of men in this room. Oh, we are still trying to prove ourselves to daddy. Worst of all, comparison and favoritism, it enforces this idea that God couldn't love them either. That just breaks my heart. 
The next way to provoke your children to wrath. It's failing to sacrifice. Our number one way that God makes us more conformed to the image of his son is to be in sacrificial love, a sacrificial relationship with our spouse. Number two way is through our children. When you tell them, like when you don't live a sacrificial life for them, you tell them they don't really matter. Uh, That's not what you're saying, but that's what your life is saying. Yeah. Let me ask you, are you busy upgrading the comforts of your home, buying a new toy, or upgrading your relationship, spending quality time together? Remember, fathers, we are the Christ figures in the home. (laughs) Nail here, nail here. That means we have to give up everything. And it hurts the first, before you do it, afterwards you're like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Amen. Yes. Your sons will become like you and your daughters will marry a man like you. That's scary. I'm scared. Keeps me in check. I tell you, I'm determined. You know, I'm I'm relying on the grace of God just like everyone else. And my kids will be saved. But, uh, I'm determined to set an example of godly, sacrificial manhood that is going to make my daughter struggle to find a man like daddy because daddy was like Christ. And to be that same sacrificial example for my son so that every young Christian girl with great character will, all those who just burn in their hearts for Christ will yearn to be courted by him. Guys, ladies, this is to all of us as parents. Have you arrived? Getting comfy? I paid my dues. Let's go relax. Put the remote down. Put the stupid project down. And be sacrificial. And I'll tell you right now, oh, Glenn, you know, I work 60 hours a week. I have a very difficult time doing this. This is a struggle to get to church. I get it. And there are many days where I'm exhausted. I've got nothing left in me. And so what do I do? On the drive home, this is what you do, men, ladies. You start praying in the car. Father, help me, Father. Help me be a father like you. Help me to be a great man. Help me be like Jesus, Lord. I don't have the strength right now to be what my family needs me to be, but I will receive by faith that when I walk through those doors, you will give me the strength and I will, I will be like your son, Jesus. Amen. That's what we do. Your final way I want to share with you to provoke your children to wrath. I call it performance-based love. And it's this idea of using love as a tool to reward and punish. Now, we usually don't, no one ever thinks that. We don't realize we're doing it. In fact, that's why we need our spouses or or our our, our church family, right, to help us understand that. By the way, this is a really hard sermon because you know what? You're going to see all the ways I fail in raising my kids. Don't laugh. (laughs) Evidently, I'm I'm wearing this. No, just kidding. I love this guy. Um, <clears throat> and that's what happens when you goof around. You lose your place, all right? Um, guys, if, if, we, if, if we give them this idea that we don't love them when they're bad, 
they're going to live with the idea that God won't love them when they're bad either. And often, it, when, we, when they're bad, it's really just they're not doing what we prefer they do. It has nothing to do with God's commands. This idea that God can't love us because of how messed we are, how messed up we are, is solidified. It shuts them out on taking a chance on the grace of God like a five-foot-thick bank vault door, closing for the final time. This is, this is one of the worst things. And anyone who counsel, counsels people knows this. They believe they have to clean themselves up before God will receive them as a beloved son or daughter through his son, Jesus Christ. Dealing with drugs, alcohol, any sort of addiction. Oh, man. These people always think they have to clean up first, and that is a lie. God is the one who cleans us up. Scripture tells us that while we are still enemies of God, Christ came and reconciled us to God by paying our legal penalty in a court of law so that we don't have to face God's judgment. So, so imagine this. We're in the car right now. It's just you and your family, your beautiful children on the back seat. You're driving, you're jamming to K-Love, ah, right? All of a sudden, some clown speeding up the highway gives you the middle finger, almost clips the front of your car and almost causes you to get into an accident. You are ticked off. All of a sudden, woo, 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 woo. There's a cop car flying up the road. He gets him. He gives him a ticket. All right. Yeah. By a show of hands, how many people are going to go to that courtroom and pay for his ticket? Me neither. Now suppose this same guy, later that night, he broke into your house. He steals all the most sentimental possessions that you have. Maybe pictures of your kids or guns, right? And then he beats you to a bloody, gory pulp. Spits in your face. And then, he, you know what he does? He purposefully infects you with HIV. Later that night, he's arrested. He's got a huge monetary fine, and he's paying the death. He's going to have the death penalty. Let me ask you, how many people here would leave the comfort and glory of your beautiful home, sell your home, leave it completely, go down to jail, pay his fines, and then take his death sentence on your behalf. Any hands? Any buyers? Yeah, me neither. And that's essentially what God has done for us. His love for us isn't based off performance. He offers the free gift of salvation through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Well, we are yet enemies of God. It's amazing. And some of you are probably like, hey, I'm not that bad. Yeah. Let's level the playing field. If right now, we could take every single person in here, if we could take your innermost secret thoughts, the things that no one has ever known that you've thought, and put them on the screen and play them for everyone to see, you would pray that mountains would come and crush you down. You'd be so embarrassed. Your mother would be so ashamed, she'd be embarrassed she came from her body. And God knows us that intimately. And yet he still loves us. What type of love is this? Shocking. As if our Father in heaven, if our God loves us that much, how much do we love our children? 
Here's one thing I, I love to do with uh, my daughter, Bethany. She's two and a half. She doesn't really understand a lot, but I say, Bethany, when you're a good girl, mommy and daddy love you. Bethany, when you're a bad girl, mommy and daddy love you. Bethany, when you're a good girl, Jesus loves you. Bethany, when you're a bad girl, Jesus loves you. It's never too early to start reinforcing this. I'm not saying, don't, don't, don't walk away thinking, oh, Glenn's saying, let my kids get away with murder and don't discipline them. <laughs> no. Part of our job as parents is to restrain the sin nature of our children. But we got to show them that there is a Father in heaven who loves them. Love that is rewarded is not love. That's prostitution. And love should not be prostituted and our children should not be made Johns who have to purchase our affection. It's like I hear my Lord say, Glenn, you can't displease me more than my son has already pleased me. And your salvation isn't based off of how how tightly you can hold on to him, but how tightly he can hold on to you. And you are in the palm of his hand and he will never let you go. Now I want to share a perspective with you. Because some of you are probably like, dude, you just beat me up. Know this. If you've done everything perfect, everything correct, everything right, it doesn't guarantee your kids are going to be believers. We need to do those things, instruct them, train them, live the life. Don't be a bunch of hypocrites. But uh, God is the perfect father. In heaven, the angels, they worshiped him, they, they served him. And yet a third of the angels rejected him, abandoned him, and then rebelled against him. So you parents, you fathers, you mothers, if your children aren't believers, keep praying. Keep doing your best. But know that it doesn't guarantee they'll be believers. So what do I need to do today? These seem very basic, like, oh, I know this. But it's this stuff that we don't really do. Number one, forgive your parents. If you're 10 years old, or you're 80 years old. I know many people, senior citizens, that when you really talk to them and you really get dig down deep with them, you find out that they're still angry at their parents. Especially us men, their fathers. When I was saved, that moment, that minute, I just felt like as if chains had fallen off of me. Chains I didn't know I had. And I suspect there's a lot of people here that still are holding on to those chains. Can I tell you that God is more willing to take those chains from you than you are willing to give those chains to Him? Amen. So how do we reconcile with these kids that we provoked to wrath and driven them away from Christ? What do we do? The same way we reconcile with our Lord, with God. The same way we begin that relationship. Repentance. Repentance begins a sentence. It's one of my favorite little sayings. It's your next message point. Repentance begins the sentence. Say it with me. Repentance begins the sentence. God cannot resist a contrite and repentful heart. It's very difficult. 
even for us. So do so. Let them know. Us who are older, you know, we get older and our egos just expand. We like to think they don't, but they do. And so let's go home. Let's eat a nice big fat sandwich of humility. Swallow it. Go back for seconds. And tell your kids, you ready for this? I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do my best. I'm struggling too. That's what we want, right? Let them know. Be heartfelt. Don't just say it. They know. They know the difference. Can I tell you real quick? I, I got a little annoyed with Bethany the other day, and I, and I, I raised my voice, and it was, it was something stupid. Like I was tired, and I, I, I was a jerk. And then after, I, I said to this little two-and-a-half-year-old, and she probably didn't truly understand fully, but I said, Bethany, Daddy's sorry for yelling at you. I was wrong. Now, she wasn't misbehaving. She's doing something that I didn't want her to do. I'm sorry, Bethany. Daddy was wrong. Would, would, would you forgive me? Yes, Daddy. Oh, melt. <laughs> Finally, families that pray together, they stay together. Prayer time isn't this thing that we do before we eat. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. Father, forgive me for this McDonald's I'm about to eat and all the carbs and calories, <laughs> right? No. Here's just one practical thing you could do with your kids. Get on your hands and knees. Put your face on the floor and pray. Bethany loves doing this with me. She doesn't really know what she's doing. She's a daddy, mommy, baby, and Gracie. That's our dog. But she's starting to understand this. And some of her first memories will be on the floor with a man of God. And I, it's, it's scary to even say that about myself. A man who loves the Lord, whose heart burns on fire for Jesus. And one day, she hopefully, God willing, will want a man like that. That she'll remember. This is, this is what relationship looks like. This is what walking with the king looks like. Pray with them. One of the best bits of advice I've ever received for parenting came from uh, someone, her name is Sherry. She comes to our church. She's awesome. When my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, our, our only daughter, <laughs> our, when, when she was pregnant, she said, hey, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received was to start praying for Bethany's husband. Oh, it's going to be the most important person in her life. Wow. How many of us don't even think about it? Start praying. Start praying for those kids. Start praying for their spouses. Every time I pray for my children, I pray for their spouses. Absolutely. You start praying for your grandchildren and their spouses. You start praying for your great-grandchildren and their spouses. I found a Bible. It's from 1850. It was written in like old school German. And uh, it, it's from my, my great-great-grandmother. I have no idea if she was a legitimate believer. But I have to wonder, did this woman pray for her great-great-grandson whose family wasn't believers? Start doing that. In your program, please take look in your program. There is a, a, a little handout. It's got 31 days of something to pray for regarding your kids. Every time you pray for them, pray for their spouse too. It's not exhaustive. There's plenty of things to put on there. But do that. Take it home. Put it in your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 6. And one day you'll come back and say, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I want to leave off with a, a little something that uh, I've, I've heard from Men and women who have neared the end of their days, coming to their final breaths, 
I've heard this from them. I've heard this from pastors. And I've heard this from, uh, some, some of these are my thoughts. If I could do it all again, I'd love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my kids more at our mistakes and our joy. I would listen more, even when they were so little and didn't make much sense. I wish I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray more for my family. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and praise them more. And then finally, if I had to do it all again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to direct them to God. Bethany, as we pull weeds from the earth, so may the Lord pull the weeds of sin from our hearts. Bethany, you see the deer? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. Plant the word of God in their hearts and water it. Help it grow. Train them. Instruct them. Do not provoke them to wrath. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we love you. You are perfect. You are a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. I ask that you would make us men, us tiny, little, weak men, great men of God, the type of men that we want our daughters to marry and our wives, the type of women, godly women who burn for you. Make them the type of women we would want our sons to marry. Help us, Lord, to get out of your way in doing a miracle in their hearts. To grant them repentance and grant them the faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and live lives that lift him high. I'd ask you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you're here today and you know, just like I know, that you have not been the perfect parent, let's just, let's just keep our eyes closed. Let's just confess that by raising our hands up high. Don't tell me I'm the only one. Thank you. Thank you for your humility. Thank you. you can put your hands down. Amen to that. Hey, if you're here today and you hear me talking about, about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you even hear about this relationship thing, and that's just weird. I want to ask you, raise up your hand. No one's looking. No one's going to judge you. This is a place where every person who is a believer was once someone who did not believe. Raise your hand up high if that's you today. Thank you, brother. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all of you. Hey, I ask you, everyone else, keep your eyes closed. But you who raise your hands, look at me. Look at me. You who raised your hands, everyone else keep your eyes closed. Hey, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you ready? Are you ready to let everything else, abandon all of everything else for the greatest thing, the only thing worth having? Are you ready to do that today? I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to go back to our Next Step Center. It's directly right out the door. And you tell them, hey, I don't really truly get it. I don't understand everything, but I... 
tell me, how do I become a believer? How do I have my sins forgiven so I can receive eternal life? Will you do that? Will you do that? Give me a nod if you want to do that. Yeah, give me a nod if you want to do that, my friend in the back. Thank you. At this time, put your hands on your kid if they're next to you. If they're not next to you, put your, just imagine them in your mind. We're going to pray one more time. Father, please make us great, great men, great, great women. We ask you to save these kids, these wonderful little souls that you've entrusted to us to, for, to, to, to bring to you. Please save them, sanctify them, and make them better men, better women than we ever were. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, and join us next week as we begin the series, Pour Out.